0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, Welcome to Marsfield Community Church. If you haven't met me, my name's Howran, and it's a pleasure to be able to uh, speak to you about God's Word and preach God's Word to you. Um, If you've been following along, we've been going through a series called Foundations, where we look at a lot of the foundational things that Christians believe and ought to believe and need to do. And today we're looking at what it means to be meeting the world. Technical difficulties, pretty much always. Cool. Um, so, cool. Um, right, so, part of the question, uh, here's a question for you all, which is, how should Christians interact with the world? How should we as Christians, as a church, interact with the world out there? Now, hindsight is twenty twenty. So, one of the really helpful uses of um, studying church history, is showing us how uh, Christians have tried to answer all sorts of questions and how do Christians try to answer this question, albeit badly. So for instance, some Christians decided that the world is sinful and so the best thing that we can do as Christians is to just leave the world. And so there's a whole monastic tradition, right? A lot of Christians go away and camp in a monastery and they try to get away from the world and they kind of failed to recognise that actually sin's not just in the world, it's also in our hearts. And so if you take a bunch of Christians and go somewhere, there's still going to be sin there because Christians, humans, are sinful. And so the monastic tradition, not wonderful, but they gave the world Gorian chants uh, and some very good beer. So it wasn't entirely without benefit. the more extreme end, uh, there were the hermits of the, 20th, of the, sorry, of the 2nd and 3rd century, and these guys try to get away as far away from civilization as possible. So, he, on the most extreme end, uh, was a very long stick, and on the end of that stick was a platform, and on top of that sat a man called Simon the Stylite. Um He actually spent 37 years living on top of increasingly extravagant platforms. I believe the first one was just like a little wooden pole, and he sat on it. And like he tried, he got as far away out of town as possible, set up this thing, got. Um, the shepherd boys to come and bring him food every couple of days, and he basically lived there away from the world. This actually had the opposite to intended effect because lots of sightseers came to see them on a pole, (laughs) and fellow pilgrims, uh, not in this photo, but fellow pilgrims also tried to build poles near him, and he, yeah, so (laughs) I guess the is, uh, yes, even, even in the second century, Sometimes, like so sometimes Christians try to get away from the world. On the converse end, sometimes Christianity has been accused of being too close to the world. And so the Roman Emperor Constantine um, publicly confessed Christianity. And what he said, this is the official story at least, is that as he was running into battle, he had this vision of Jesus in the clouds. Oh, Actually, I think he was on the sun. And so as a result of this religious epiphany, he then went and... Going into this battle, he um, had all his soldiers paint this symbol over here. I don't know if you recognize it. This is called the Cairo. It's the first two letters of Jesus' name. And for him, that was how he could honor Jesus. And so he got all his soldiers to paint that. And on the right, there's a stylized photo of... Sorry, drawing of all his soldiers in battle with that symbol on it. So he honored Jesus through doing that. Um, And after he won this battle, he became emperor and he... um, religion of the Roman Empire. Now, the problem is that historians look back at him with a lot of cynicism. You know, did he really believe in Jesus or was he just doing this physical expediency? Um, And with uh, the Christian Roman Empire came a whole lot of other issues with Christendom and how do you detangle faith when faith seems to be compulsory? Um, So, which all, uh, and I guess, sorry, let me go back So, I guess we'll find out whether he was really sincere or not when we actually get to heaven. But all of this begs the question, right? How how do we as Christians interact with the world? Do we hide away from the world? Do we go straight into the... Do we become part of the world and try to take it over? And I'm going to put it to you that Christians should promote the gospel to the world. Uh, If you need an outline, here is an outline, and I'm basically going to be asking a couple of basic questions, right? So, why... Why should we be promoting the gospel? And who should be promoting the gospel? And how do we promote the gospel? And what? Uh, and also, fair warning, the last point will be the longest. Um, so there's a couple of sub points there. So don't get to the last point and think we're nearly there because it'll go a little bit longer. But the first couple of points will be, will be quick. Um, so let's start with the passage. And one of the nice things about looking at a nice short passage like this is that it's, well, short. Sure. <laughs> um, and what that means is we can actually spend a bit of time digging into the details so, I don't know if you um, noticed this, but what I did was I sat down with a passage. Um, this is what I can do on a shorter passage. And I sat down with a highlighter and just noticed patterns, notice things that pop up again and again. And the first thing that jumped out at me, and I don't know if it jumped out at you, was this. Right? Do you notice this passage is filled with word ideas? It is full of word ideas. Right? So, Paul's saying, pray for us. Pray that God may open a door for our Message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Proclaiming and telling people. Pray that I may proclaim... ...articulately, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, and let your... He's talking to you guys now. Let your conversation... Once again, we're talking... Be all, you may know how to answer everyone. All right, so central to what Paul's saying is that uh, in Colossians is that there is a message and there is a mission to proclaim that message, right? There is a good word and there's outsiders who need to hear it. People need to hear about the mystery of Christ. Um that word mystery is interesting. In the Bible, our mystery, right? If, if you read through the Bible, the mystery is, well, it's done it. How is God going to save the world? And who is gonna, God going to use to save the world? And the answer is Jesus. Jesus came into the world. He came here to save humanity. He came here to save all of humanity, including you and me. And he came to rescue and include people who for so long were not part of God's people. He came to include them into the kingdom. So the good news of Jesus, the good news of the Bible is that you need to believe in Jesus Christ and you can be saved no matter who you are, no matter what your um, background is, no matter what your culture is, no matter what language um, you speak. And there's that image that we saw in Micah where uh, you have nations, people from all nations coming together around the Lord Jesus. Now, if we look at the life of Paul, who wrote this letter to the Colossians, What we see is there's a man here on a mission. Uh, We call him an apostle, but an equally appropriate term, I think, would be missionary. He was a missionary. He went out into the world to tell and proclaim the good news of Jesus. Now, that mission extends today. There are people who need to hear about Jesus because without Jesus, they are lost. And there are people all over the world who haven't heard about Jesus. There are people in Australia who haven't heard about Jesus. There are people in Marsfield who haven't heard about Jesus. And you probably have friends and neighbours and family members who still don't know and still don't believe that Jesus really is the Son of God who came to die for us. And so, there's a mission. Paul's on a mission. And it's Jesus' mission, really. And that kind of makes it our mission, too. After all, this is the mission that reached out and saved Jesus how you became a Christian but when you became a Christian maybe you were saved by friends, maybe you were saved at church, hearing a sermon maybe you were saved at university or by a random stranger on the bus intimately connected to this mission because it's the mission that saved us and can save other people too and so the first thing you need to do to support the mission, Paul says is, up there verse 3, pray Verse 4, he says it again because he likes repetition. Pray. Pray for Paul. And in the 21st century, pray for those who are like Paul, who are missionaries. For those who take the gospel out, who translate the gospel, who train others to take the gospel forward. So do you know any missionaries? Do you know any missionaries in Australia or abroad? Pray for the missionaries. Pray for missionaries you know. Pray for missionaries that our church supports. Pray... Um, for people in Australia and abroad that they may proclaim the Word of God clearly and pray for them because COVID is a really difficult time for a lot of people to be missionaries and a lot of doors are closed but pray that they might be opened. That's the what. There's a mission but there's also a who. And so, once again, this passage really rewards digging into the details. I don't know if you noticed but the pronouns... I'm geeking out here, but the pronouns are interesting. And so, notice this, um, and notice the colours change, right? So pray for us. So this is Paul writing, and he's talking about uh, he's talking about him as a missionary and his other missionary friends. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Then he says to the pit, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I think that shift verse 3 and 4 to verse 5 and 6 is kind of interesting, right? You think it's interesting? I think it's interesting. Um, in verse 3 and 4, Paul's saying missionaries like him should be proclaiming the gospel. And every Christian should be intimately connected to the mission, at the very least, through prayer. But what I also get by implication is that not every Christian needs to be a missionary. Right In verse 5 and 6, he doesn't go, I've been preaching the gospel, okay, now you guys go preach the gospel. What he says is, you don't also need to be preachers and proclaimers and missionaries, rather, as you go about your daily lives, as you keep your day job, as you raise your children, as you do the stuff of life... Then be promoters of the gospel through so the way you live and through the opportunities that arise as you go about your lives. Right? And so this is um, this is a distinction I stole from John Dixon. Uh, he wrote a book called Promoting the Gospel, and he makes a really good case for you know that proclaiming the gospel and promoting the gospel and they're related but not precisely the same. And for a lot of us ordinary Christians with day jobs and families, and we should at, we should be promoting the gospel. Some cre- some Christians should. Be proclaimers of the gospel, but all Christians should be promoters of the gospel. And for the rest of this sermon, I'm really going to be talking about promoting the gospel, the thing that all of us as Christians really should be engaged in. So we should be promoting the gospel. How do we promote the gospel? Well, oh wait, sorry. Let me. Good. It's about the way you act. Verse five. All right? About the way you act. Pay attention to how you act, as well as how you speak. And how are we going to do it? Well, be wise and be always full of grace, seasoned, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, how do we present the gospel? Well, be wise, be gracious, be opportunistic, and be salty easy to understand a passage by flipping it on its head. Um, Let me explain what not to do. This is maybe a bit easier to conceptualise, right? So, this is how you would fail at promoting the gospel. This is what you should not do. Be foolish. Say and do really stupid things around non-Christians. Or forget about the outsiders. Live in a Christian bubble. Or... Make church a cold and unfriendly place where non-Christians walk in and just don't feel welcome. Or, let your conversation be full of malice and hate and unkindness. Or, be insulted. Talk exactly like the world talks and behave exactly like the world behaves. Or, don't answer anyone. Don't explain what you believe. Or, don't take the opportunities as they come up. Don't be ready. Or don't even prepare any answers, just answer nobody with nothing. That's all right. That, don't do any of those things, right? Like, let me just be clear. I've, I'm not saying here's the things you should do. I'm saying these are things you should not do, right? And if if you were ever tempted to do this, right? And sometimes you are. Right? I don't know if you ever feel this, but sometimes I feel like sometimes I just want to hang out with my Christian mates, and I don't want to go and hang out with the Christians out there, like. That's temptation, right? That's, that's actually Satan tempting you to ignore the word of God, which is saying actually we need to be thinking about the outsiders and being warm and wise and gracious and inclusive. Rather, sometimes we're tempted to do that, and that's, that's temptation. And so during the week, during the week that I was talking about this with other people, um, somebody reminded me about the Israel Folau controversy. I don't know if you missed it. Uh, Israel Folau is an extremely talented former rugby league player, former rugby union player Um, he's a very good rugby he's a a very good sports person Um, he's a dual international, he's played for Australia in both rugby league and rugby union and two years ago he posted a very controversial biblical truth on Instagram looks like this let me read the fine print if you can't read it, he says those that are living in sin will end up in hell unless you repent Jesus loves you and is giving you time to turn away from your sin and come to him and then he, clo- he quotes uh, Galatians 5, uh, 19-21 to in the King James Version. As a result of him posting this on Instagram, a lot of people got very angry and he was sacked. And people are still angry about it, actually. Um, now, I don't know about you, but when all this media hype came out, I got very conflicted, right? Because on one hand, right, like, I don't know the guy. I don't know the man personally, so I'm going to take his sincerity. He's a guy who actually genuinely... That's actually a Bible verse he's quoting. Like, it's straight out of the Bible. Um, At least the bit on the left, not the bit on the right. That's a bit of paraphrasing. (laughs) And um, so, okay, I'm going to say he's somebody who really wants to proclaim the gospel. Did he post a Bible verse? Yes. Is it biblical? Well, kind of, yeah, there's a Bible verse right there, right? Is it kind of what the Bible says that's true? But on one hand, you can argue, yeah, he is proclaiming the gospel. And look, non-Christians are going to find excuses to ridicule Christians for believing what they believe as I've been studying these verses and as I've been pondering what uh, Paul writes what God is saying to us right about how we should behave as Christians and as promoters of the I think I understand now why what he did just makes me un- slightly uncomfortable if you think about our grid, we're talking about well, you've got to be wise, you've got to be gracious, you got it in the way you speak. Um, is it wise? Would you call it wise? With the big warning sign and the hell awaits? They're like, I don't think it was wise. And was it gracious? I don't think it was very gracious. And was it seasoned with salt? Like, I would put it to you that I think it was very un. in part right like i mean if you're being wise and you understand how social media works it's not a place for conversation right the Bible's talking about in your conversations and answering people but social media instagram twitter facebook they're not places for calm rational conversations that you can have with a friend they're shouting matches and who shouts loudest wins and it's not a place where you actually um give your nice calm new the time and space to explain that, right? So, I think it's calling us, right, to be wise and to be kind in the way we act outside. We need to be wise in the way we speak and act. We need to be gracious and let graciousness just flow through our speech and our behavior. Be like Jesus. Be opportunistic as well, right? So, if, if all of what Jesus did on earth. But in his human planning, right, um, Jesus was actually trying to get away. He wasn't trying to preach to the 5,000. They came and followed him, and he said, oh, okay, right, all these people are here. I guess I better preach to them. Well, he didn't really plan on preaching to the Samaritan lady. He just asked her for water, and then that became a conversation. And he didn't really plan to have a rich young ruler come up to him, but he took that opportunity to explain the gospel, right? So even Jesus took the opportunities that presented themselves and And women who are kind and gentle and wise and gracious. Promote the gospel. And so, what should we do to promote the gospel? And we're into my point four. I'm going to suggest that there's at least two ways. There's lots more, but I ran out of time and space, so I trimmed it down for you. Um, I'm going to suggest to you there's at least two good ways that we can be promoting the gospel as a church, as, as Marthfield Community Church. And I'm going to suggest that we can promote the gospel with caring community and we can promote the gospel with practice and preparation. Let me explain the first one. Let's promoting the gospel with loving community. And let me take a short detour into another passage to illustrate what I'm talking about. So here's one of my favorite verses. Um, this is John chapter 13. Uh, during the Last Supper, Jesus says to his disciples, A new commandment I give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another and by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love here are the two most important words in this passage um do you notice the word this all right he's not saying this is interesting right? He's not saying by your amazing evangelistic events, every, all non-Christians will know, know about Jesus. He's not saying by the way you preach on any given Sunday. He's saying, actually, by the way that Christians love one another, this, every He's saying that um, the way that Christians love other Christians... Right? The way the church works, the way that we love one another, the way that we treat one another with gentleness and kindness and love and humility and service, and that warmth and inclusivity and encouragement that you get from the church community, that testifies powerfully to Jesus. Okay. To Jesus. And so I think what that means is non Christians need to see Christian community. Who is an individual Christian in your workplace or at school or at university? They need to see Christians interacting and loving, interacting with and loving one another. So let me put my personal opinion hat on now, right? I think this needs to go beyond just inviting people, non Christians, to church. Like, that's great, do that. Invite right? people to Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've been a Christian for a while so you may have forgotten this but um, sometimes sometimes churches can be um, a little bit weird for non-Christians. Right? Like I, I, if you remember what it's like to sit and listen to someone talk for half an hour that just doesn't happen. What's that? And when do, when do either in the shower, where no one can hear them, or they sing very loudly at rock concerts where there's a whole lot of other drunk people singing at the top of their voices, and once again, no one can hear them. All right? So, coming and singing together—that's weird. Um, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. Right? All these these things are good. But to a non-Christian who doesn't know what it's like and hasn't experienced it in a while, that's kind of weird. All right? So, um. If you invite them to church and they want to come, that's great. Do that. Don't don't, don't hear me saying you should not invite people to church. Do that. But also, here's my other suggestion, which is um, what you should do as Christians is hang out with your Christian mates. Go play board games or have a Tupperware party or go out for a meal. Have high tea. Have a barbecue at your place. Go watch the footy. Go watch the basketball. Invite your non-Christian mates to come hang out too, Right? Next time you're having a board game night at your place, invite a couple of Christian mates along and get them to meet your Christian mates and get them to see Christians hanging out with each other and being real people. For a feed with the boys, invite some non-Christian friends along. Go watch a movie with your non-Christian friend, invite a Christian friend along and you know afterwards go have a chat, have a cup of coffee. And a non-Christian family over for dinner at the same time. Host state of origin. And invite the guys from church, and invite the guys from work, and invite the girls too, because some girls actually like watching footy. Some. Um, uh, it doesn't always have to be an evangelistic talk, and it doesn't always have to be a Bible study, right? It can just be Christian community. And if the words of Jesus are true, and I kind of take it they are, because Jesus said it, then actually if they see Christians loving one another, that really testifies powerfully to, Christi- to, to, to Jesus at work in our lives, in the way that we love and treat each other, right? Because they're going to see people who don't uh, make fun of each other and tease each other and bully each other all the time. They're going to see people who actually love and care and encourage and um, are warm and gentle and, you know, uh, share the things that they have and share their lives and their homes and all the stuff that, you know, we do. Like, we do really well as a church, right? And, and people see that and they go, wow, that's cool. That's, I, I, I don't know what it is, but you guys don't behave like my non-Christian friends. I want to hang out with you guys more. Um, It would be really powerful, I think. Um, So, I'd like to suggest we should promote the gospel with loving Christian community. Here's my other thing. I think it's worth promoting the gospel with practice and preparation. Right, verse 6, know how to answer everyone. Peter says it succinctly in 1 Peter 3 as well. He says always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Um, Did you ever have to learn CPR in high school? Did anyone ever, did they make you do that? Um, You know, year 9, year 10, PE, they make you, you know, do the, um, at least for us in high school, they, you know, they got out the the dummy and we had to do the two breaths, 15 compressions. Um, You know, they, they drilled it into us so we knew how to save a life if that ever came to it. Now, I've never used it, but my friend Dave got into the newspaper when he was in year 11. He was just walking home from school with a couple of friends, uh, and then there's, a, there's an old guy sitting at the bus stop who just kills over. Turns out he had a heart attack, and so Dave gave him CPR and saved his life until the, kept him alive until the ambulance got there. Saved the guy's life. Got on the got on the news. If Dave didn't know CPR, then that old guy would have died. So it's worthwhile, right? It's worthwhile learning how to do something like CPR. It's worth knowing how to revive somebody because it saves lives. Yeah. And you may not be a professional at saving lives. You may not be a doctor or a nurse or a paramedic, right? I know I'm not. I know there's some doctors out there, but for the rest of us, for our mere, for mere mortals, we're not saving lives all the time, but it's still worth learning how to do something like CPR, right? Just in case. Knowing how to save lives if the opportunity arises. So how much more worthwhile is it to know how to save people's lives for eternity when that opportunity arises i mean you don't have to feel guilty if you're not a gifted evangelist right but even if you're not a full-time preacher or pastor or evangelist even if you've never gone to bible college it's still worth learning how to explain the gospel right it's still worth learning how to explain what you believe and i think what the passage is saying is that everyone needs to be able to share the gospel if the opportunity arises so be prepared. Know how to save lives. Know how to save lives. So, do learn a simple gospel explanation, right? If you don't know how... If somebody were to come to you tomorrow and say, well, how do I... How do I, What's this Bible stuff all about? Would you know how to answer them? And if you don't, then it's worth learning a simple gospel. There's a lot of good gospel explanations out there. Um, I learned two ways to live when I was 18 or 19, and that's, that's still lodged in my brain. Um... And it's, good. it's got diagrams and it's great. Uh, or we could learn the Romans Road. Um, I don't remember that quite as well, but it's still really effective. Um, and uh, there's somebody introduced me to this one called Three Circles, which once again has diagrams, so that's great. Uh, but don't feel really You have to learn everything, right? Just learn one. Just learn one thing. Learn how you would, you know, 30-second elevator pitch, here's what I believe about Jesus. Know how to, as the Bible asks us to do, know how to answer everyone. Friends, there's a world out there and they need to hear about Jesus. And you won't be able to do that if you run away from the world, like Simon who sat on a pillar for 37 years. And you won't be able to do it by beating beating people over the head and making it mandatory for them to become Christians, because that doesn't work either. We know those lessons from church history. But instead, in our lives, we need to be wise. We need to be gracious. We need to be opportunistic. We need to remember that Jesus genuinely makes lives better, right? Hasn't he made your life better? Hasn't he made other people's lives better? Hasn't he transformed people around you? He lifts people out of the gutter. He gives people warmth and dignity and hope and a home. I want to encourage you to think about how you can promote the gospel with the way that you live, with the way that you speak. Tell people, show people what the difference that Jesus makes. Invite them into your lives. Invite them into Christian community. And make the most of every opportunity. Be wise. Have gracious, salty conversations. Know how to answer everyone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this word from Paul. And it's short, but it's powerful. And there's so many things that Challenge me, and there's so many things that I read and think, well, I don't really want to do that, and it takes me outside of my comfort zone. Um, But, Father, would you remind us of how good it is to be Christian, how good it is to know Jesus and be saved? And would you help us and equip us to promote the gospel to our friends and to our family, to reach out to the people around us who don't know? Um, Would you help us to be hearers of the word, not just doers? Would you help us to learn how to be wiser in our conversations? and how to be more gracious, and how to answer everyone. Would you help us to learn how to explain what we believe clearly? And would you help us to uh, be wise in the way that we include non-Christians into our community? And we want to pray all this for the, name of, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may he be glorified, and may he be known uh, all throughout the world, in every nation, in every tribe, every tongue, every, every country and suburb and street, would everyone know about Jesus. Amen.